0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: In the Good Job Brain System, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the quizzers who pose questions and the brave men and women who answer them. These are their stories. (laughs)
2: compassionate community composed of compadres, comma, commuters, comma, and competitors. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's episode is 213. I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your procession of proactive, prolific pros, providing pros about prostate and prosciutto.
1: <laughs> I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. I would like to pose uh, this question to our listeners. Do you enjoy listening to Good Job Brain? Because if in fact you do, and maybe you don't, maybe you're doing this to punish yourself. Um, but uh, if, <laughs> if you actually enjoy listening to Good Job Brain, and you want to hear more Good Job Brain that is not Good Job Brain. For the first time ever, the entire Good Job Brain cast uh, was a guest. One guest formed out of the bodies of, of four people. Um, <laughs> on an upcoming, it was super gross. Uh, upco- on a podcast you can listen to right now. Uh, it is called Escape This Podcast. Uh, where the hosts come up with a uh, escape room full of puzzles that we play in podcast form. Uh, And uh, we had a blast doing it. It was actually the season uh, finale of this whole story arc. And we got to be the final guest uh, closing out this, this, this epic story that was running through, I think 10 different episodes. It it involved, I mean, it involved Neil Patrick Harris at one point. uh, Involved (laughs)
0: Literally. uh, (laughs) Literally actual Neil
1: Patrick Harris was actually on uh, this show show. involved two out of the three McElroy brothers. It was really just a whole... There, there were multiple contestants from Survivor uh, and then us. Um, we made it out. I think that you, person listening to Good Job Brain, should also check out this episode. You might want to listen to the whole arc.
0: I say start at the beginning. And just enjoy yourself. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. And it's put on by Bill and Danny, who are two uh, Good Job Brain listeners. They are hardcore trivia people who have been on numerous Australian uh, trivia related TV <laughs> shows so there are kind of people Danny is the one who makes the puzzles and they're so good and so fun
2: a lot of the stuff we're hearing for the first time and so we're taking notes we're drawing maps it just was so original, with so much fun. Chris's son got mad at Chris because we recorded past <laughs> our, our our time because we were having so much fun.
1: Yeah, there's actually two things to listen to because we it, there's uh it's Escape this podcast, and then there's uh, the uh, it's also podcast this Escape the spinoff show that they do where they talk to us about the puzzles that we just did, which is like also I think worth listening to. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, and one more thing, they release the puzzles every week for every episode so that way you could run the puzzles with your friends if you wanted to yeah yeah so
2: give it a listen thank you bill and danny for inviting us and letting us solve your amazing puzzles we had so much fun and hopefully uh we'll do it again sometime yes invite (laughs) us back please (laughs) without further ado let's jump into our first general trivia segment pop quiz hot shot Here I have, I found my random Trivial Pursuit card. You guys have your barnyard buzzers. Let's answer some questions. Blue Wedge. For geography, the cities of Indio and Palm Springs are located in which California valley? Whoa, that was Dana. Death Valley? Incorrect. Oh. Chris?
1: Simi Valley?
2: Incorrect. Incorrect. Guys all heard this name. Probably yeah. didn't know it was oh. a Valley. Oh. Coachella? Coachella! Mm-hmm. Home of the Coachella Valley mm-hmm. Music and Arts Festival. Oh. Pink Wedge Bam Bam is the son of which Stone Age couple? Uh, Colin.
3: Bam Bam is the son of Barney and Betty Rubble.
2: Correct! Yes. I didn't know you spell B A M M dash B A M M.
3: Oh, four M's.
2: Yellow Edge, Leaders of 175 nations gathered at the UN in April 2016 to sign the Paris Agreement, a global pact to fight what?
3: Colin. Uh, uh global warming uh, or emissions or I don't know how it was worded, but I believe climate that's what change. It was, right? Climate change these days. That's right.
2: Purple wedge. Mr. Smee is the bumbling sidekick of which literary villain? Chris.
1: Captain Hook.
2: Captain Hook from Peter Pan. Green Wedge for science and nature. What's the common name for the third molars inside a human mouth? Chris.
1: Wisdom teeth.
2: Yes. Oh, a human. Oh. Mouth. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Third counting backwards. Gotcha. Third counting backwards. Yeah, that's yeah. why I was like, that makes that makes so much sense. <laughs> all right, last question, Orange Wedge. What is the most followed sport in India?
1: Most Oh, okay.
2: It is multiple choice. Oh, mm. okay. oh okay. I think we can get it. But Chris, Chris buzzed in. Go cricket. Ahead. Cricket. I was like, Correct. I would, it is I cricket. cricket.
3: as well. Okay, yeah. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. What were the other choices too. they gave us? I'm just curious. The, what other, did they give the us? other
2: choices were uh, badminton. Soccer or tennis? Oh. Mm, no, cricket think, is by cricket far easy choice. So-
1: there, soccer yeah. was the Joe Bloggs yeah. answer. There, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Ooh, good job, everybody! All right, guys. Today's episode, I want to ask you. Back in November 2015, mm. the Collins English Dictionary chose what word to be the word of the year,
3: Ooh.
1: and it's an it's
2: an activity. Oh! 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 You didn't have to fuck Colin. Colin uh, please. Is it
3: binge watch? Or it binge is watch?
2: binge watch. Yep, yep, binge yep. watch. Word of year 2015. That's like six years ago, but it seems pretty recent. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and you know, this is all thanks to uh, streaming services, especially Netflix, yeah. uh, releasing all the episodes of a season oh, man. Know, at, at once. Bef- so before the term was marathon. Mm. But I think that I think that's tied to like TV channels doing like, oh, I'm doing a Lord of the Rings yeah, marathon. Right, right, I think it's also right, tied right. to healthy behavior
0: versus
3: <laughs> what <when, laughs> it really
0: is like yeah, when you're yeah. watching a bunch of shows
3: at once. I didn't think about yeah. that. Yeah. Marathon binge versus binge? binge. No, I yeah. am watching a marathon. A, I'm just <laughs> doing a marathon. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, of course, one of our favorite pastimes, things we like doing is watching TVs, watching shows, watching stuff on our screens. So this week, it's a watch party.
1: TV party tonight! Uh, TV party tonight! Oh. we got nothing better to do than
0: watch TV and have a couple of brews.
2: Don't want to talk about anything else. We don't want to know.
1: We're dedicated yes. to
2: our favorite shows.
1: OK, I'll go first. Back in the spring of 2015, just a few years into season one of Good Job Brain, uh, we had our 150th episode and that was an wow. all quiz. Bana- I know. Can you believe it? Uh, and I mentioned uh, during this all quiz bonanza, a funny description of a movie that once appeared in a newspaper's TV listing. Let me dial that back a little bit uh, for the kids. Probably know what a newspaper is, but the TV. But if you wanted to watch the movie on the TV, you uh, it would be on at a certain time. So you have to go get a physical newspaper. Um,
3: <laughs> Match you'd it have
1: up. You have to leave your house and go to a to news- buy the newspaper, <laughs> open it up, and look down the paper. And it would say that such and such a movie was going to be on TV at that time. And then you had to be there to watch it. Um, and, <laughs> and
2: When you describe it that way, it sounds... Insane. <laughs> like, why would anyone bother?
1: <laughs> it's I, jumping. And it was through the all... only
0: entertainment that existed. <laughs> <then>. Exactly.
1: <laughs> it's jumping through a lot of hoops. Uh, to watch a uh, cut-up-ass version of a, of a five-year-old movie, but we did it. Then, then, of course, inside the newspaper would be a description of the... Because, again, how would you know what the movie was about? You'd have to read a small description of the film to, to see if this was something that you might want to invest your time into. And there was a description of a film in a newspaper's TV listing, and it read, "'Transported to a surreal landscape, a young girl kills the first person she meets.'" then teams up with three strangers to kill again. <laughs> and this was, of course, a description of the uh, movie of The Wizard of Oz. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and these, uh, this uh, was a very funny uh, description of the, the film written by a, um, a comedy writer named uh, Rick Polito, Rick Polito, uh, who to this day still does these funny off-kilter descriptions for a newspaper uh, called The Pacific Sun, which is here in the Bay Area. And like so, like printed, printed, yes. Still, a print. it's, an all, it's an all weekly, it's a yeah, it's a printed newspaper, yes. So, anyway, with the theme of this episode, I thought it would be fun to revisit, do a round two, Rick Polito's uh, description of the film, and you tell me the film. All right. Some of these folks are going to be a little more difficult than last time, so I'm also going to give you the year of the film. Uh, in oh. case you need to narrow it down a little bit. Do you, okay? do you think
2: it's because That's like good. the plot description is, is harder or the movie is more
1: obscure? Uh, Sometimes both.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, sometimes
1: the, the plot description might be, might not have quite enough information, but then additionally, it's also like, you know, some of these movies when they came out in 2003, everybody was talking about them, but 2003 was a long time ago. And maybe we've forgotten some of these sort of like, Don't say um, that. yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> So let's see. Let's see how you do. Question one. This is a buzz in quiz. 2001. A short guy with hairy feet goes camping with his Ren Faire friends in order to complete a <laughs> jeweler's complicated return policy. Colin.
3: Uh, would that be the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring?
1: Yes, Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. I called on <laughs> you because I, I knew I could count on you to deliver both the uh, title and the subtitle. <laughs> of Oh, uh, uh, uh,
0: Thanks. Uh, I guess that's true. I would have said I Lord of the Rings won. Um, <laughs> uh,
1: 1983. A son helps his father share his true feelings and confront an emotionally manipulative supervisor. Karen. <laughs>
2: Mary Poppins.
1: Oh, not not for 1983. Oh. No, oh, okay. sorry. Oh,
2: yeah, that's true. That's too late.
3: Uh,
1: this is the <laughs> he
3: has a kid.
1: A son helps his father share father's. his true feelings uh-huh. and confront an emotionally manipulative supervisor. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh
3: my gosh! Oh my gosh! Colin. Felt 1983. It. That is uh, Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. Exactly. Oh. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs>
1: Great work on that one. All right. That's great. Uh, 2007. In the sequel, treasure hunter Benjamin Gates discovers a book kept by the president with the answers to such mysteries as the JFK assassination, the Roswell incident, who shot Jr., and whether there is a role Nicolas Cage would turn down. <laughs> Uh, Karen?
2: National treasure colon uh, book of secrets.
1: Exactly. Yes, very good. (laughs) National treasure colon book of secrets. Yes. Yes. Nice. Nice job. Okay. We're doing good. We're doing good. Okay. 2018. 2018. Okay. Yes. A sociopath goes jewelry shopping.
3: 2018.
1: 2018. A sociopath goes jewelry shopping. Jewelry collecting might be. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay. Oh, it's, oh, right.
0: it's um, Avengers Endgame? Is it that one? The one with Thanos? And he has all the... Oh, no. I, Infinity War. Infinity War. I,
1: I cannot give you a point for Endgame. I'm sorry. Inve- it is, is it? Avengers Infinity War. Um, ni- 1989. Another woman gives up her career for a man. 1989. I'm going <laughs> to... Karen,
2: Pretty Woman.
1: It is not Pretty Woman. Oh, that would, be, that would have been her... good. Probably the biggest animated film of 1989. Oh, oh.
2: Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Yes. Yeah, the Little Mermaid. 1989.
0: Yep. Wait, uh, what was her career uh, though?
1: She was a singer.
2: Mm. That's true. Yes, well,
0: I it seemed like an antique. She was, collector. was.
1: She was a singer. She that was why she gave up her voice because okay. I, her voice was I, her voice I, was her I, her big talent. Okay, I, I think I,
0: I like think of her as like an antique collector. You know, right. uh, that was her,
1: yeah. that was her, her side hustle. All right. 1994. Unable to find funding, a visionary doctor is forced to conduct his research in a rundown castle, but is able to accommodate his lab assistant's posture deformity and make important discoveries. Dana.
0: Young Dr. Frankenstein.
1: No. It is not Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. The classic, the classic Mel Brooks film. No. That is not 1990- 1994. Oh. And I do need the to- I need the full title of this film. Mary and
2: Shelley's Frankenstein. That's it. That's oh. it. That's
1: oh, man. It. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Trying to capitalize Ooh. on the success, of course, of Bram Stoker's Dracula from a couple of years Whoa. prior. 94? 94. Okay. Mary Kenneth Shelley's Was it the Kenneth Branagh one? Yeah. Oh, okay. And Robert okay. De Niro.
3: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Frank-
2: the, the monster. I yep. saw this in- one in
3: the theater, man. Yeah, and Julia okay. Roberts. Played yeah.
1: Frankenstein.
3: Yeah. Well, there, uh, <laughs> she gave up her job for, uh, man's for a man's monster. Yep. Uh,
1: yep. <laughs> 2015. Cancel culture activists call for the end of a popular reality TV show. 2015. Okay. cancel culture activists call yeah. for the end of a popular reality tv show and this again uh i will accept nothing less than the exact specific oh, it's, title it's of this be, film
3: come on yeah what? go ahead you guys are so good it's gotta be one of the hunger games ones
2: oh okay can't well cancel so it must be hunger games she the last cancel- one the last one
3: is it Mockingjay the last one? I'm throwing What's the ball the up there. You guys got to alley oop at home.
2: Uh, <sighs> don't give us sports analogies, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Didn't Mockingjay have two parts? Oh, it, yeah, it's part two, probably.
0: I say part Hunger,
1: one. Dana says part two. Karen says part one. Dana gets the point. It is the ah! Hunger Games Mocking Jay part two. Part two. <laughs>
0: part two.
1: Uh, well earned. I just earned. Listed a
0: bunch of stuff. I cheated. Point for Dana. <laughs> but give me the point in the grand Tali, anyway.
1: Back to uh, Going back to 1983, a great year mm. for movies. A family embarks on a long and arduous journey, encountering setbacks and delays, only to find their destination closed down when they get. Get there in this mm-hmm. troubling metaphor for your company's retirement plan. <laughs> I think it was Karen first. Uh, I, I think it was Karen Na- first.
2: National lamp. Lampoon's Vegas Vacation.
3: Oh, no. no, you overthought incorrect. it. I think you overthought it. Yeah. Yeah. family yeah. vacation. Family no, vacation. I, I believe correct. National, National Lampoon's Vacation.
1: National Lampoon's Vacation is the, is the title of the Don't original nineteen eighty three. There is a Vegas you Vacation the in girls. the nineties. Yeah, this Where's is the, the one Papa where they go to Georgia? Wally World. Uh, <laughs> a couple more. Nineteen ninety seven. Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman exist in a superficial society where achievement and opportunity are based on looks. They are also in this movie about an authoritarian future. <laughs> Karen. Gattaca. It's Gattaca. It's mm. Gattaca. Yes. Made out uh, of uh,
2: DNA letters, the title. Yes.
3: Yes, yes. A, uh, a,
1: a great joke. Again, all of these. I did not write these. These are all written by Rick Polito. Uh, very good. Very, very funny. Very funny. They make, make for a great quiz. Um, okay, a couple more. 1988. Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, and Charlie Sheen play young outlaws on the run in the Old West, robbing trains and small town banks to support their hair gel habit. <laughs> Karen. Young Guns. Young Guns. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, I was movie. obsessed
0: with that movie. That's her awakening and... as a woman, I think. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of when you said it. I was like, oh, I know what movie this is, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah.
1: Finally, the last one 1995. Is an updated telling of the rivalry between King Arthur and Lancelot really worth the risk of seeing Richard Gere in tights?
3: <sighs> <sighs>
1: I I
2: can't. Imagine him.
1: What was the him. I think this was I think that that this kind of happened kind of coming off the back of uh, Robin Hood Prince of, uh, Prince of Thieves Prince of and Thieves? the success mm. there, maybe. Because Richard this was I remember Gere. this being a thing. It was like this kind of sexy, like, fighting over Guinevere, Richard Gear. Yeah.
3: Is it Was it something just like Knights of the Round Table? Is it, I mean, I, I would just... Yeah, be it's, got
1: the, it's got the word knight in it. I don't know if you remember this. Oh! A uh, knight's okay. tale! Dana?
3: Is it First night? Last night? It's First night. That's it.
1: that's it! Yeah. Yeah. You got it. See? It's, it was up there. It was up oh. there bouncing yeah. around in the In the noggin. Yeah, first night. What's King see, Arthur? else is Sean Connery oh. and Richard Gere is Arthur and Lancelot? Wow, yeah.
2: this is so mid nineties.
0: Oh,
1: very much so. <laughs> very much so. Was yeah,
2: rated R. I don't think I was allowed to watch it. Yeah,
0: reason.
3: this
2: sounds like it was. A, a it might be for sexy... the best. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey, okay, great job, you guys did really good. Like uh, piecing it together from the from the clues again. <laughs> Richard, Lito, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful newspaper descriptions of these films that he still does makes nice. for a good quiz.
2: I
0: wonder if he's on cameo.
1: Ooh,
2: Richard gear.
3: Yeah.
2: No, no. <laughs> Rick oh, Oh, Rick
1: oh yeah. Rick oh,
2: how fun! He's on cameo. We can get him to like, you know, <laughs> Do one. right. write summaries. This is our podcast. only
3: lens for viewing the world now. Is cameo? <laughs> can <Cameo. laughs> yeah.
2: we get a cameo? Of yeah. This. yeah. <laughs> so released along with this episode. This week, I prepared a mini episode that's going to come out at the same time. As many of you guys know, I was on the first season of The Chase, a game show here that was originally from uh, the UK and they they rebooted uh, earlier in 2021. Game shows are just naturally so interesting. So released with this episode is a special mini bonus episode where I talk to some of the people who've been on Game shows. And a little bit about their experience, including our Good Job Brain, now six-time American Crossword Tournament winner, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Tyler Hinman. Uh, He was on Fox's Superhuman. And then we also have a Good Job Brain listener, Amy, who was on a bunch of stuff. But more importantly, most importantly, she was on Supermarket Sweep. (gasps) yes
3: <gasps> yeah,
2: <laughs> that's my dream yes One great, day to this get is on why there. yeah and then speaking of the chase i also invited my friend elliot who's also a contestant on on my season of the chase and we'll talk about our experiences tips and tricks of how to best audition um what the process is like so if you're curious about the inner workings of of some of the game shows and our stories uh be sure to tune in to our mini episode uh released at the same time this week and with that said, I actually have a game show challenge for everybody. Woo. Rapid fire! Here we go. All about game shows. We ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no. I'll, I'll splice in some music, <laughs> like like some heart. You know, they always have like the heartbeat music, and makes you it makes you kind of uh, <laughs> nervous. Here we go. Question number one: A time for Tony is another name for which game show's iconic theme song?
3: A time for Tony. <laughs>
2: Uh, Colin Jeopardy, correct. Oh, okay. oh, right, right, right. What reality competition first debuted in Sweden under the name Expedition Robinson? Uh, Chris,
1: is it Survivor?
2: Correct, mm. Survivor. Mm. Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Was a children's geography game show inspired by what <clears throat> Dana, a video game, correct? Before Drew Carey, who was the host of The Price is Right?
1: Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, Chris. Well. Bob Barker.
2: Correct. Mm-hmm. How many briefcases are there in Deal or No Deal?
1: Ooh. <laughs> Chris. 50.
2: Incorrect.
1: 36.
2: Data. You're close. It is 26. What mm-hmm. physical game show is named after a surfing term for falling? <laughs> Chris. Wipeout. Correct. How many people are surveyed for responses on Family Feud? Uh, Dana. 100? Correct. Mm. The popular saying, no whammy, comes from which game show? Uh, Colin.
3: Uh, Press Your Luck.
2: Correct. Pat Sajak is the host of what game show since 1981?
1: Uh, Chris. Wheel of Fortune.
2: Correct. What has been the highest value version of The Pyramid?
1: Ooh.
2: Uh, Colin.
3: $1 million pyramid.
2: Incorrect. Mm. Chris. Chris.
1: Uh, $100,000.
2: Correct, 100,000 is the (laughs) highest value. What game show would you give a bonus for grinding your coffee? (laughs) Everybody. Uh Supermarket Supermarket (laughs) Sweep. So biased, we we love that show. Uh, Golden Medley is the main bonus round of what game show? (laughs) Chris.
1: Name that tune.
2: Correct. Newsman Anderson Cooper once hosted what sneaky game show?
3: Ooh. Hmm, sneaky. sneaky, oh, Colin, the mole,
2: the mole, Correct. Uh-huh. the mole, fantastic game show, mm, Very, I remember that one, you know, peak 2000 aesthetic, what game show are you on if you had to pick a giant slime-filled nose, <laughs> Dana? Double Dare. Correct. And Uh, or
3: family Double Dare. dare. It's true. Well, it's true.
2: (laughs) The weakest link first appeared in what country? Dana. Uh, UK? Correct. Regis Philburn once was the primetime host for what game show? Dana. He wants to be a millionaire. Correct. Can someone name another celebrity host? Oh, Dana. Meredith Vieira. Correct. Oh, I, I forgot would, about that. I also would accept Indiana. Jimmy Kimmel, who is a celebrity millionaire host. Mm-hmm. Uh And last question. What U.S. competition is based on the Japanese program called Sasuke? Ooh. What U.S. Oh. Com-
1: oh. Is is it it American Ninja Warrior? Correct.
3: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay.
2: Good job, everybody.
3: Now, Karen, I have a uh, point of order here that might preempt an um, actually. Uh, Did did Pat Sajak not take a break from hosting the show (gasps) for a while there? I believe that he hosted, took a break they had a series of other hosts and then Pat Sajak came back to the show with some great fanfare. Oh, interesting. Let's look it up. She didn't say continuously, but I think it was implied. I remember like at one point like Ralph Benerski was the host Whoa. of Wheel of <laughs> Fortune, I feel like.
2: Oh, okay. Sajak hosted the Daytime series until 1989 when he left to host
3: the late night talk show for CBS. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. That's right. He wanted was, yeah, he had his he had, you know, bigger ambitions, maybe, or
2: <laughs> good job, everybody. Uh, one thing I will share with you guys, the one thing that blew my mind. I mean, there are a lot of things that <laughs> blew my mind uh being on a on a TV game show on primetime TV, but the one thing that Really blew my mind. There was a auditor on there oh, on taping yeah, day, yeah. And his job, you know, we even got a little special talk. And his job was essentially to monitor that the game is fair,
1: yeah. Which,
2: which is a nice way of saying like, don't cheat. Yeah,
1: we're watching yeah. you. No shenanigans. Um,
2: yeah, yeah. It but also
1: it, that they're an independent person, and they're going to make sure that. The show does not cheat you either. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So like that his show. You know, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's because of yeah. oh, well, there was a there was a movie in the '90s called Quiz Show about the Quiz Show scandals in the 1950s where people were colluding and producers kind of changing it up for ratings and became a big legal case. It implemented a bunch of laws, mm. including this. You know, being on a game show now requires a third party auditor who comes to. Make sure that everything's running as fairly as possible. You know, even if you see somebody who is like, you know, maybe another contestant talking to a producer like by the dumpster or something, maybe they're just hanging out, but like it seems kind of sketchy and you're supposed to report. You have to hmm. report all these things. So if you go out to the bathroom, you have to be escorted. You know, So mm-hmm. a lot of these things happen. And I, I had no idea. I was like, Aww. oh, of course, that makes so much sense. They're dealing with giving away hundreds and thousands of dollars. And so they have to make sure that it's fair for everybody. Weird, right? Yeah. Of yeah. So that's my cool tidbit. And for more uh, production stories, uh, check out our companion episode.
3: And I remember, I remember when I tried out for Jeopardy! years ago, they get so many lawyers from L.A. that the code on Jeopardy! is if they say, so-and-so originally from St. Louis, Missouri, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, means yeah, yeah. they live in L.A. And if they say once worked as a bookkeeper, that's code for they're a lawyer. And because they because they overwhelm, they get so many lawyers from L.A. Yeah, And I learned that. Oh, so I watch Jeopardy. Yeah, the originally from that means they live in L.A. Mobile banking
2: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
3: Okay, so when this episode airs, I believe we will be just a few short weeks away from that great American secular holiday, Bobby Bonilla Day. Yay! <laughs> Coming up on July 1st. it's 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 almost upon us again. Uh, It's our our favorite
2: good job brain day holiday. I love that we've
3: adopted this day. Yeah. So for, you know, for listeners who don't know or may not remember, this is sort of baseball related, but even non-baseball fans, I think love this one. So Bobby Bonilla was a uh, baseball player. He was released by the New York Mets uh, more than 20 years ago now. And per the terms of the deal, he and his agents and lawyers negotiated uh, instead of a single payment at the time. Bobby Bonilla receives a yearly payment of $1.2 million American every July 1st, uh, starting in 2011 and running until 2035. Wow. wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, this that's is the dream.
3: It's truly dream. the American you know, dream, Chris. That's, like
1: That's the supermarket sweep of your uh, boss. Yeah. <laughs> Your yeah. boss
3: might lay you off, but then every year they have to send you a check for one point two million and get made fun of online, just like clockwork. Now it's time to clown the Mets again. This is
2: like this is what happens. I feel like for for him that that he's very intelligent about personal finances, but he also surrounds himself with people who are very knowledgeable. Yes, um, with this type of stuff. It's like, <laughs> wow. Yes,
3: yes. Yes. Karen, you could even say yeah, Bobby Bonilla was far more knowledgeable than the Mets who, as it turns out, lost a good amount of money to the Bernie Madoff. Uh, yes, oh. that's right. So, so when we decided to loop back around to the topic of television, uh, I thought I would take a chance to share a, a story with you guys that, that I, I've loved for years and years and years. I think the story can appeal to anybody who loves forward-thinking negotiations, and the power of television. Okay, so uh, I can't believe I'm asking this as an intro to an uh, ostensibly educational segment here, but have you guys seen the movie Semi-Pro with Will Ferrell?
2: Oh, yeah, and Andre 3000 from Outcast (laughs) is in it. That's correct, yes,
3: Andre 3000 from Outcast is in it as well. Right, right. So here, I will share the description with you. So per IMDb, Jackie Moon, the owner, coach, player of the American (laughs) Basketball Association's Flint, Michigan Tropics, rallies his teammates to make their NBA dreams come true. Uh, That that is a very good summary. Will Ferrell, uh, of course, played Jackie Moon, the uh, the erstwhile soul singer, I believe, who became the owner of the Flint Tropics in the movie. Now, the movie has you know the usual layers of Will Ferrell silliness, uh, and it was by no means by no means based on a true story, but. At its core, it di- it did revolve around some very real events that were occurring in not not just a fascinating time in NBA basketball pro history, but but the evolution of pro sports uh, as a modern business in the in the TV era. Mm. I-, I have a story for you guys. This has been I like called this stuff. the greatest deal in sports history. Right. Wait, greater I, this, than Bobby Bonilla. Greater than Bobby Bonilla, Karen. Wow. greater than Bobby Bonilla. All right, so let's let's flash back here, shall we, to the to the mid late nineteen sixties. Now the the NBA. Was was still in a lot of ways a rising sports league. You know, wow, I mean, it had been around weird for. To you know, imagine, yeah, it is hard to imagine today, especially when NBA stars, arguably some of the most famous athletes in the world, maybe behind you know some pro soccer players. Um, in 1967, the NBA they only had teams in ten cities at that point. And that year, uh, among some other challengers to the NBA's sort of hold on professional hoops in the U.S., popped up the ABA, the American Basketball Association. So as depicted in um, the Will Ferrell movie, the ABA was a real basketball league. It was a challenger to the to the larger NBA. uh, And ultimately, they did merge with the NBA. Uh, I will I will sort of jump ahead a little bit in the story. This period, like the mid to late 60s, had just seen a lot of kind of turbulence in pro sports, right? The AFL and NFL had just merged in pro football. The idea was, among the founders of the ABA, let's start a league that will eventually force the NBA to buy us out. It was like (laughs) a startup mentality. Um, They advertised to potential investors that they could basically get a new ABA franchise for... Half of what it cost to get an NBA mm-hmm. franchise because we were a little more, you know, kind of smaller, seat-of-the-pants operations. Oh. And their goal was let's go in cities that the NBA doesn't serve, largely, uh, smaller cities. We're going to be more fun. We're going to be kind of scrappier. But ultimately, ultimately, really the goal was to get bought out, okay? The, to, be, to
2: be enough of a competition.
3: That's right. They had sort of seen the model within pro football. They're like, they Wait a don't want to
2: become big.
3: That's right. That's right. If we get big enough, it, it is. It's very startup mentality, you know, today. If you're like, you're starting your software company, you might want to get bought by Google or Microsoft or somebody like that. Now, the ABA did, in fact, push the NBA to be more fun, I think, all around. The, the ABA came up with the three point shot. Like, that was an oh, ABA invention, oh. not an NBA invention. In fact, a lot of the NBA people were pretty stodgy in those days. Uh, the ABA came up with the slam dunk contest, you know, things that oh. just seem, you know, inextricable from modern NBA play today. They had the red, white, and blue ball, you know. That was their answer okay. to the boring old orange leather ball of the Did NBA. they do the
0: thing with the trampoline?
3: <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. So, yeah, yeah, this is where uh, the Will Ferrell movie diverges a little bit. Yeah, you, do, you were not likely to see people wrestling bears at real life (laughs) ABA um, uh, exhibition games. But the ABA had a lot of players who would go on to greater fame later. The ABA gave us the world legends like Dr. J. That is where Doctor J made his oh. name was in the ABA uh, mm. before he joined the NBA. Their goal was to get bought out, but they wanted to sort of stay in business long enough to do this. Uh, it, it turned out that it was actually they were having a hard time maintaining the level of support and revenue. They only had one of its teams was in a top twenty American market, you know, in New York. Oh. Aside from that, they just they just couldn't draw enough people. They couldn't get enough TV rights. They couldn't 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 mm. couldn't. So after a few years of pushing and prodding and negotiating, ultimately, the NBA did agree to merge, uh, absorb the smaller league, or most of it. Okay. By the time the talks had sort of come to the point that like, yes, this is going to happen. There were only seven teams left in the ABA. Um, you know, they, they started with, you know, almost twice that. Some of them just really couldn't keep it together and just fold it out Some of them tried their best for whatever reason, they were down to seven teams. And so they got together and the owners of the seven teams basically came up. They said like, all right, we want to get bought out. It's probably likely that the NBA will want to take six of us, but not Mm -hmm. seven of us, right? Make scheduling easier. You can have like nice, even divisions and balanced and things like that. So they got together and they wrote into into their agreement. Basically, they said, all right, if the NBA buys six of us, whoever is the odd team out we will collectively agree to give the owners of that team one-seventh of whatever profits that we make from being bought by the NBA. So they're moving forward, uh, mid-70s, late 1975, uh, heading into 1976. As the negotiations progress, the NBA makes it clear they are going to accept four of the seven teams. Uh, uh. They don't Uh. want six. They don't want seven. They want four. And they wanted, they wanted just the four, basically the cream of the crop. They wanted the most successful teams. They didn't want to be carrying, you know, in their minds, maybe some dead weight. So, you know, the teams that ended up merging that still exist today are the Denver Nuggets, the Indiana Pacers, the San Antonio Spurs, who of course wow. have gone on to win many titles. Uh, and then at the time, they were the New York Nets. They are today the Brooklyn Nets once again. So the NBA says, we'll take four of those teams. You know, the other three kind of, Sorry. you guys, y'all figure it out. Yeah. By the time the merger date came, one of the teams had just gone bankrupt entirely, just totally belly up. Uh, so, okay, all right, now we're down to six. Uh, one of the teams, uh, the Kentucky Colonels, uh, now, Chris, I believe, (laughs) I believe in the past, Chris, you educated us that Kentucky Colonels as a concept existed, uh, well before the Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise. Indeed, yes. Uh, the team was named after the concept of the Kentucky Colonels. However, it was in fact owned by the owner of Kentucky Fried Chicken at the time. Nice. Okay. Nice. Okay. John W. Brown.
2: Okay. Synergy. So he decided,
3: <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm just gonna cut my losses here. I'm just gonna take a buyout. So uh, so John Brown Jr. took a, a one-time payout of three point three million dollars to just at waive all rights at that time. That's right, yeah, 1975 dollars here. Uh so now we're down uh to five teams, okay? One belly up, one took a payout. So there's the four teams that I mentioned before, and then then there is the Spirits of St. Louis, which was owned mm-hmm. by the Silna brothers, Ozzy and Daniel Silna, S-I-L-N-A. Upon hearing that the NBA only wanted to take four teams, and specifically those four teams I mentioned, they were pretty mad. They're like, wait, you know? no, we, we wanted to be in the NBA. And they really did. They really wanted to join the NBA and run an NBA franchise. So rather than uh, take a one-time payout, they said, Hey, wait a minute. We worked in this deal. Remember that the teams that don't make it to the NBA get a one-seventh share from the other remaining teams. Mm-hmm. So this is what in fact Ozzy and Daniel Silna did is they <sighs> said to the NBA, great, we will waive our claim to the team. We want four sevenths of a share of NBA team rights and specifically they wanted TV rights okay so this is 1976 the Silmas are now out of the basketball business officially but every year they get a share four sevenths of one share of the NBA's TV rights okay now, that, that worked out to about 2% of the league's broadcast revenue.
1: I was not roughly. told there would be math. Yes, I'm giving you, I'm giving <laughs> you the me. math here. Right.
3: Okay. Say 2%. Um, roughly, of the total leagues. But it came out of those four teams. So the the Nuggets, the Nets, the Pacers, the Spurs oh, had to God. chip in every year a seventh of their broadcast revenue profits. And sh- and basically, it went over to the Silna brothers. Oh my uh, God.
2: So, not the league, like one seventh of each of those four teams. They have to square away to give it
3: to, oh my God, and they're good teams. Those were good teams. And now again, the way that league TV rights work is they pool money. Okay. And this is true for a lot of pro sports. So, you know, the Yankees TV money, you know, kind of floats the boat of some of the poorer performing teams in baseball. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the same is true in the NBA. So now, yeah, it sounds like a great deal already. Just at that, like you're getting four sevenths of a share for opening the mailbox every you know and getting your cash (laughs) to get checked. Now this is 1976. I want to put this in perspective for you guys. TV rights were such a tiny percentage of the revenue that the NBA made compared to today. Back then, in the late 70s, games were still being shown on tape delay late at night. Okay, NBA Finals games in 1981, the title clinching game was shown at. 1130 at night on tape delay after the local (laughs) news. This was like, it was so such an afterthought to CBS and the major networks. If you were watching your local 11 o'clock news, the sports guy would come on and be like, okay, now you might want to look away from the screen for a few minutes. uh, So you don't get spoiled on the game that has not aired yet, but I'm about to tell you who won. Wow. That's how small time, how small potatoes, the NBA TV rights were. Yeah. So now through the 1980s, Thanks to players like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, TV rights started to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Through the 80s, it looks like through the 80s total, okay, collectively the 80s, the Silnas collected $8 million. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not bad. Not bad. From 1990 to 1994 alone... Yeah, just these four years alone, they got more than eighteen million dollars. Oh, my! Now, because every few years the NBA renegotiates their TV contracts with TV networks, ESPN and ABC and whatnot, and so the the dollars keep going up and up and up and up. Yeah. By the years nineteen ninety eight to two thousand two, those that four years netted them fifty million dollars. The Silnas again. For just having one owned a team, wow. yes. For having they don't have to play, pay any players. Yep. They just that's right. Th- there's yeah. no insurance costs. There's no liabilities for these guys. They don't have to yeah, put the money in. When so, does this end? Yeah, well, that's a great question, Karen. So now, as the as the NBA is making more and more and more money. You know, and the teams, those four teams in particular are like, look, this, this is, this sucks. We hate this. They, they, they tried on multiple times to basically buy Buy the Silmas out. Say, look, guys, what, what will it cost to just sever our arrangement? Finally, 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 in 2014, the NBA put an end to this agreement. They negotiated a deal. They were extremely, extremely uh, anxious to negotiate this because the uh, TV right deals expired after the 2015-16 season, which meant that it could be an entirely new contract. And it could be more. That's right. Oh, it would be more. You guys can probably guess what happened in the uh, mid-2000s, late 2010s that made these dollar amounts go up, which is streaming rights, digital rights, web streaming, At this point, by 2014, from 1976 to 2014, the Silnas had collected about $300 million from the league in TV rights. The NBA came to so many Bobby
2: Bonillas together. That is,
3: you could buy buy a lot of Bobby Bonilla Day contracts with that. Wow. Yeah. So the NBA came to the Silna brothers in 2014 and said, we would like to give you- Five hundred million dollars <laughs> to walk away from this contract, and uh. the Silna brothers said, Yes. We will take your five hundred million dollars and we will walk away. So yeah, all told, all told, the Silnas uh, recouped here uh, over seven hundred and fifty million dollars over the years wow. for the, wow. the truly, truly yeah. passive income of, of once it, owning these St. Louis
1: because <laughs> <theory>. <laughs> at some point, at some point, it's like um, you have to figure the NBA is going to get sick of paying them and they're yep. going to just stop paying, and then it's going to yeah. be like, okay, hey, sue us, sue the NBA, you know, and yeah. then it, and then you don't want to get into that. So if they come to you and they say, we're going to buy you out, like maybe you should, maybe you should do it.
3: That's exactly last, right. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. And you know, uh, Ozzy Silna, the the elder of the two brothers, was was you know he was getting older. He he did in fact pass away just a couple of years after they uh, ended this yeah. contract. He's at keeping the him of alive, the deal. <laughs> that's right. right. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, that's all Daniel Silna's and wow. money now, right? I wonder if Let's they would have taken some a local basketball teams, team. Guys.
0: They were like, "We'll give you a basketball team, so now you have to earn it." But you can't. You know
3: what, Dana? Yeah. Like, uh, if if you take the brothers at their word, I really do think they would would have I really do think it it really sounds like they really really wanted to own they had tried actually to buy the Detroit Pistons before they got into the ABA so they they really yeah basketball was in their blood it just didn't it didn't work out the way they thought but boy did it work out in another way (laughs) traffic jams tailgating pile-ups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse
0: All right. I have a quiz for y'all today about the most watched events in the world, most watched on TV events in the world. So these are all things of world interest that happened and they are like where most countries watch this, <laughs> watch these things happen. It all it all felt like, oh, we should actually know this because this will come up in trivia, pub
3: trivia. Oh, for sure. Of yeah, yeah. These do.
0: So I'm going to let each of you have a chance to crack these questions or we'll do a write-in. All right. First question. So sporting events make up the highest global TV broadcasts of all times, but which sporting event type is the current global record holder with 3.6 billion views?
3: Okay. Okay. I think I've got a guess.
2: Okay. What are your answers? Okay. I put the cricket finals.
1: <laughs>
3: I, would, I would put forth uh, the Olympics opening ceremonies.
1: Oh. oh! Put the FIFA World Cup. You
3: know. It's the Summer Olympics,
0: specific, and so specifically the ones in London and in Rio both mm. got three point six billion viewers. Wow! Um, and the FIFA World Cup in Russia was very close, not quite as popular as the Summer huh.
3: Olympics. Okay, that's a lot of dang people.
0: <laughs> okay, in nineteen sixty nine, six hundred million people watched this event on TV around the world. What event was
2: this? Nineteen sixty-nine. Okay, I have a guess.
1: I have a guess. I All have right. a guess. Let's hear uh,
2: it. I put
3: the Beatles on Ed Sullivan.
1: Uh, I put the Moon Landing. Okay.
3: Oh. <laughs> oh What else? I what was I, I immediately like Chris's answer better? But I <laughs> wrote uh Super Bowl one. It
0: was the Moon Landing. Oh yes. my
3: gosh. Yeah.
0: Okay. In September of 1997, 2 billion people worldwide tuned in to which non-sporting event? 2 billion people tuned in to watch this in September of
1: 1997. Oh. Oh, 2 billion people watched this in September of 1997, and it is a non-sporting event? Yes.
2: Okay.
1: All right. I Uh, I have
3: my guess. Oh. I have a guess, too.
2: I wrote Princess Diana's Funeral.
3: I also wrote Princess Diana's Funeral.
0: Yes, it was Princess Diana's Funeral. And her 1981 wedding to Prince Charles was watched by one billion people.
2: Wow. That's... oh oh. Yeah. Uh, In
0: 1973, 1.5 billion people around the world watched the concert Aloha from Hawaii via satellite. Who was the headliner?
1: Okay.
3: Okay.
2: I put Elvis Presley.
3: I too put Elvis Presley.
1: I put Elvis P, um, which I'm hoping <laughs> 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 will, will be accepted. I need the complete name, Chris.
3: I'm sorry, <laughs> nope. J Part Two. The Fellowship
0: uh, of Presley. Uh, yeah, I looked it up, and I was, I was like, well, how many TVs were in the world, or how many people? Actually, how many people lived yeah. in the world? So, in 1973, there were four billion people in the world. And one point five billion of them Whoa, watch this concert. Yeah. Watch this. I think
1: that I think that what yeah. when they do these kind of huge numbery kind of things, though, it's like there's people all over the world where, like, you know, eight thousand people will all get together and you know around watch one TV. One. You know, so you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like the, when they calculate it, yeah.
0: So the number could be higher, but this was his. Um, the soundtrack from this concert was his last big seller of an album. This was ah. kind of near the end of his career. Let's see, in twenty fifteen. The World Cricket Cup is estimated to have been seen by 2.2 billion people. And one particular match was viewed by 1 billion people. India is one of the countries who is in this uh, match that was viewed by a billion people. Can you name the other team? I had to change this question because of the Trivial Pursuit one before about... uh,
2: Oh, you have to rewrite it? Yeah, about cricket. I
0: was going to say name one country. But... uh, (laughs)
3: Okay. I have
1: a guess.
2: I have, my guess is UK.
3: Oh, see, I I had it down to 50-50 yeah. and I went I went with Pakistan. Uh, pa- Pakistan yeah. yeah. That's- I'm going
1: to go with the UK just because, you yeah, know, why not? Stick
3: it up to the man. It's Pakistan. Mm. Ah,
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, between 1974 and 1980, Muhammad Ali fought in a series of high-profile boxing matches that were routinely viewed by like 1 to 2 billion people around the world. Mm. um what was the name of his first one billion viewer match and who was he fighting
1: so what was the name of the match
0: mm-hmm. they all had names because yeah. you know yeah, like yeah, they yeah, promoted yeah. the heck
1: out of them that's
3: why yeah, yeah, yeah. billions of people watch them i feel like it's 50 50 on the match for me
2: me
0: too
3: yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Put, right.
0: which one came first
1: yeah
3: exactly
2: i put thrill in manila and george foreman
1: Okay, mm. I, I put the only two that I could remember, which were Rumble in the Jungle, I think that was one, and uh, uh, Frazier
3: <laughs> I put, I, I think we're going to have the uh, the variety pack here. Uh, oh, yeah? I, I hope I Rumble have jungle the correct Formation. combination. Uh, I put Rumble in the Jungle with George Foreman. Oh. Yes,
0: Rumble in the Jungle ah! with George Foreman.
1: All right, yeah, all that right.
0: One, and then the very next year was the Thrilla in Manila. Two more questions. In January of 2009, which U.S.-related event was viewed by 1 billion people around the world?
3: I got this one, Dana. 100%. That's how confident I am. I mean, I don't US know about 100%, but I, I wrote something down. U.S.-related. Uh,
2: okay, my guess is uh, election?
3: That wasn't even an election year. <laughs> You're in the right ballpark, okay. I think. Okay, okay. I put down uh, the inauguration of Barack Obama.
1: I, too, put down the inauguration of Barack Obama. Yes, the first
3: inauguration of Barack Obama
0: was viewed by a billion people. Wow. Yes. Okay, and last question. Which TV show that ran between 1989 and 2001 pulled in an estimated 1.1 billion viewers per week around
3: the world during its run? 1989 to... Oh, is <laughs>
0: isn't it bananas
3: that is really crazy
0: how
1: i, I feel pretty
3: confident in my answer yeah, I, I don't have a guess colin colin you seem I'm, sure i feel confident i'm not 100 i'll say 99 i'm gonna guess seinfeld it is baywatch oh no it's baywatch wow. david
0: hasselhoff
3: oh, superstar no. Amazing. Yeah.
0: everybody right. in the world wants to watch people run around in their bathing suits That's-
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey watch I guess, yeah, yeah. I, that was too long for Seinfeld. They didn't run that long. Yeah, yeah 12 years, but yeah, still, now, I wouldn't
2: even imagine that incredible. many people. I don't I even remember, know anybody
3: who actually watched Baywatch.
2: I watched what? it.
0: I remember,
3: <laughs> I remember there's a period in the 90s where like, it was like the running joke about how it's like the most watched show in Germany and the most watched show in this and that in the other country. And I, I guess it wasn't a joke. I guess no. it was,
0: yeah. Equals 1.1 1. 1 billion people watching it every week. Oh, Wow. That was amazing.
2: Good job, David Castlehoff. Okay. All right. I have a last quick quiz. And I also have a listener challenge at the end. This is very short. I was hoping that I could make this a bigger quiz, but I have, I have four very good questions for you guys. Uh, I loved WandaVision. And also the idea of being trapped in a TV show. And so here I have a very quick quiz. I've compiled um, specifically uh, movies about being trapped in another movie in a fictional movie or in <laughs> a <right>. fictional
0: show
3: <laughs> okay okay
2: so here we go when we talk about of course people being trapped on a tv show the go-to example nowadays in reference is Truman show mm. fantastic film tell me what is truman's last name oh hmm. man It is related to the fact that he is probably, he was born, uh, his last name is probably a city name where he was born in. And he was probably born in a studio. Uh, Okay. Is it Burbank? It is Burbank. His name is Truman Burbank. Wow. Burbank, California. Uh, I, I believe that is where. ABC,
3: WB, mm-hmm. a lot of the Disney TV sound sets, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, our sound stages oh. are
2: Truman Burbank.
0: Did you pull
3: that out of the punch bowl, Dana, or did you just reason that out? I reasoned it out. It was like awesome. I was going to say
0: Los Angeles and I was like, no, no, I think it
2: specifically.
3: Think yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nice.
2: Good job. All right. Uh, musician Fiona Apple covered the Beatles song Across the Universe. The song and the music video did very, very, very well. And this song was released as part of what movie's soundtrack? Um. I'll tell you some of the people in this movie. Yeah. Jeff Daniels, William H. Macy, and the main stars are Reese Witherspoon and Toby Maguire. What movie about trapped in a TV show is this?
3: Oh, 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 oh! It's uh, um, Colin. It was. Is it uh, Welcome to Pleasantville? It is Pleasantville. Yeah. Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Oh, okay, also- okay.
2: Okay. Okay. Fantastic movie about especially being trapped in a black and white
3: uh, TV show. That was a good one. I, I enjoyed that one more than I thought I would. I remember at the time. I, was like, I oh, The soundtrack is, is yeah, fantastic. It's, it's it has like
2: Big Bopper, it has Buddy Holly, it has this song, it has a, a score was by Randy Newman. Fantastic soundtrack. All right. Little Kid Danny is trapped in a movie whose main character's name is Jack Slater, and he works for the LAPD. What movie is this about being trapped?
3: In in a fictional universe. Colin. Is, is this The uh, Last Action Hero?
2: Correct. Is Last oh, yeah, Action yeah. Hero oh, okay. uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as Jack Slater. Yes. Uh, I believe the movie <laughs> he's trapped in is Jack Slater 5 or
3: 6. Apparently.
2: <laughs> Obviously a spoof on on Arnold himself and on
3: tropes about uh, being an action hero. Yeah. And had the uh, always great uh, Charles Dance in it as the villain. Yes! Ty- Tywin yes. Lannister.
2: Tywin Lannister was the villain. Very good. <laughs> good okay and lastly this is one of my favorite movies in what movie comedy was john ritter trapped in a demonic cable tv world featuring spoofs like beverly hills 90666 murder she likes (laughs) dwayne's underworld and driving over miss daisy (laughs) yeah Chris,
1: stay tuned.
2: Stay
0: tuned. Yes. yes.
1: So, <laughs> so that in like the not included, seen it that's since. different. Yes.
2: <laughs> I, I love it. Eugene Levy's in it. Uh, um, I, should
1: wa- I should rewatch this. There are uh, other
2: fantastic lists of spoofs. Three Men of- and Rosemary's Baby, <laughs> uh, autopsies of the rich and famous. Um, but I,
3: I really like Murder. This she is Likes. this is a movie that basically just came out of a writer's room, just spitballing show titles <laughs> that, you know. And, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah.
2: And speaking of uh, action movies, guys, I have a listener challenge here, and what I'm gonna do uh, before we end the show, I'm going to play clips of five songs. Five songs. There's a reason why they're together. Uh, They have a theme that they all share. If you know the answer, tweet at us, share on our Facebook uh, what you think the answer is. Maybe give us an image or a meme or something. Hmm. Um, So yeah, I'm not going to give too many more clues, but here we go. Here are the songs. One night in a disco on the outskirts of Frisco, I was cruising with my favorite gang. You guys, if you know the theme, hit us up on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. Send us some fun memes, some pictures, uh, some references. (laughs) Let us know. And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of stuff about the Silness Brothers, um, about uh, funny movie summaries about most watched events, about game shows, and of course, about uh, being trapped in a TV. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and on all podcast apps. And on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.